Yo, yo. What's going on? Whoa. Today, today, October 17th, episode 86. Welcome to Michigan Brews. Our, uh, our, I guess I guess it's going to be our cold, uh, cold IPA episode uh, with special guests Brandon and Tim. Thank you for joining tonight. Uh, Jason is off on work duty, but he will be back for future episodes. Um, so, yeah. How Hopefully you guys doing? in the intro. I know. <laughs> We're just going to start adding random people to the intro, I guess. We're just going to, every every week, it'll just be a random, like, Googled guy with a beard. and You can uh, <laughs> it's that one tiny clip where the beer is going down with, like, David Jones is peeking through between two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do, like, a creepy Halloween episode or something with, uh, yeah, little, like, reflections of a, of a skeleton in the, the beer or something. How are uh, how you guys doing? Good. We got beer. We got cold IPAs. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can't taste one. I, I, I got. I've, I've got a. I've got a Founders All Day Chill right here. I've got a couple of those going. I, I don't have any more of my homebrew cold IPA left, um, but I think this is a pretty good representation of a of a session one. I think you said that earlier, Brandon, before we started the show. But uh, yeah, what what are you guys drinking? If not. Uh, Cold IPA, then Jordan. Uh, Munchen Lager from Polliner. I've got about a bunch of twelve or twenty-four packs from Costco a while back, so still, still working through them. Did we ever figure out what that actually is? No. <laughs> like style-wise, just says uh, original Munich Lager on it. I don't. Let's see. You sent me home. With one last time I was over there, and it, it's yeah. really good, but yeah, I've I've no idea what to what to call it. It reminds me of Amber. a fest beer, like okay, close closer to closer to that than anything else. But okay, what you got? I, don't know. I got uh, my fest beer. Got a couple bottles left from from the party. Tis the season. I uh I do. I have that cold IPA too. I have a little bit of Oktoberfest or a little bit of Mertzen I need to finish off too. So I'll sip on that, but. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk cold IPA. So, uh, who who all has actually brewed a cold IPA, including people in chat? You know who's who's brewed a, a cold IPA. Yeah. So, um, do we know? Do we know like kind of like where cold IPA came from? Ooh, oh, I I'll be one hundred percent honest. I'm still not one hundred percent clear as to. <laughs> what a cold ipa that's why we're IPL. talking about it yeah is is it yeah is it is it even something it seems like this different. weird like middle ground so let's yeah let's get into it uh, uh, there's a bunch of east side guys going around just yelling cold ipa is not a thing <laughs> i don't remember that at our place. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that's because the the west guy the west side people all were the were the better brewers right so they just can accept it we're, we're gonna wait for they some just, of them to <laughs> turn up in chat yeah um but uh the the very first i guess the guy that, that coined the phrase um is uh uh kevin davy from uh, wayfinder over in california i think it's california um and it's relatively new like uh, i guess he's been brewing it uh since 2020 uh, their beer is called Relapse, and uh, I, I think that 
it, it sounded like from from the reading that I've done, part of the the reason that he wanted to brew something like this was that uh, West Coast IPAs for him were sort of getting more and more uh, maybe East Coast a little bit. Like it was, it's been harder and harder to find like a a West Coast IPA that sort of really hits and is clean and punchy and bitter and and nice and and uh, and he wanted a sort of uh, make sure that there was no like muddling around between what like a West Coast IPA was like. Uh, so he said, you know, no caramel malts, uh, American Pilsner, like sea hops, and then clean uh, yeast. So most often we're seeing uh, like uh, uh, like lager yeasts fermented a little bit warmer. We'll get into like maybe like recipes and ingredients and stuff like that a little bit, but um, just you know, really low ester yeasts to let the the hop shine and and just enough malt to to carry it and just enough bitterness to uh, really make it sort of punchy and stuff, right? So that's that's kind of where this all started. And the first time that I heard of cold IPA was honestly when uh, the craft beer and brewing article came out, maybe in like May or something. I don't I don't really remember. Um, but have, have, did you guys hear of cold IPA like this year, probably too, or you heard of it yeah. before? Yeah. So some, sometime this year I heard about yeah. it. It was probably, is it something that someone brought to a meeting? Honestly, David's saying Oregon, so Oregon, Oregon. In fact, Brian, I think you were the first person to, mm-hmm. yeah, to make expose it. me to a, a cold IPA. And and I'm still not sure, you know, if what I brewed is, <laughs> or, and, and what Tim I've had from you and what I've had from you, Brandon, uh, if, if those are like, you know, good examples. I don't think we get, you know, yeah. laps over here in Michigan, but um, I've cheated. I mean, I've changed up the hops every time, so I, I'm. That's one thing I'm not following. I'm, I guess I'm more of a fan of the, uh, you know, Pilsner malt, rice, and lager yeast. <laughs> well, yeah, let, let's talk about that. So. Uh, so rice, right? Um, that's one of the the big ingredients that uh, you see in these beers, or corn sometimes too, I think. Mm-hmm. But just like a uh, like an adjunct like that to uh, keep it kind of clean, probably rice over corn. But yeah, uh, I think that's the recommendation on why American Pilsner malt is recommended over something like German. Uh, like American Pilsner malt is more diastatic than what you get often over in Europe. And I think it tends to uh, like hold with the, the adjuncts a little bit better. Uh, but, but it's like a lot of rice, right? Like a 30 Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. 20%. That's, that's wild. How much did you, Tim, you just recently made like a rice lager, right? Um, yeah, I used, here, I got my phone here. I, and I'm, I'm a lazy piece of crap. I don't, <laughs> I don't buy flaked rice. Oh, okay. Well, I, so, I buy I buy minute rice and I and, match it. And I think it's and, the same thing, right? Is that is that pre-gelatinized? Do we know? Yeah. yeah. So, so you don't have to do a cereal mash and I can just throw it right in there. And um it mashes nice. I'm I'm still hitting all my you know, all my numbers that I'm supposed to, so it's it's mashing. Um 
Um, well, look at that. Somehow my uh, my recipe is deleted from Beersmith. So let me get my beer. <laughs> no, no. I was just going to ask how much yeah. uh, how much rice you use in like something like a rice lager because I've actually never made a rice lager before, but I kind of want to compare mm-hmm. that. Uh, yeah, food. it's uh, and I still I still hopped it a little bit. Um, I used um, yeah, about um, about twenty percent. No, forty percent. So I used that. Uh, wow. Um, five pounds of pills, four pounds of rice, and a pound of cure pills is my green bills. So super mm-hmm. simple. And then I use mandarina Bavaria, just at whirlpool and dry hop, just to add a little something to it. So we'll see how she turns out. Hmm. Uh, I'd be was, interested in trying that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was reading recipes, uh, and I think that there are some people that are using up to 40% uh, rice, Ooh. you know, in these beers. So. You know, yeah, I, I just I tasted it when I kegged it. It had body and stuff, so it wasn't like it tasted like you know like super thin or anything. Do you think yeah. like in a in the cold IPAs that you guys have made, like the character from the rice comes through? Like, does rice even have like much of a character? You think? I mean, I can't say that I pick up anything that I would detect as rice. Uh, I just feel like it has a not like super thin, but thinner body. I feel like it has a thinner body than like, than if I use just all pills or something. And, okay. and I've been, I've been sticking right around the 30% mark mostly. So, and I'll, I'll use, I've used some Jasmine rice. I did use some minute rice on my most recent one, but like when I use the Jasmine rice, I just bring it up to a boil, let it set for like 20 minutes. And then I put the rest of my mash in and mash water in and mashing with the rest of my stuff. So. Is that how you do it, Tim? Do you do something similar? Or you just nope, bring us a temp and I dump her I in. Throw it right in the right in the mash tun with the barley. So I just mash it all together. And That's good. I I I've never used rice, so I'm learning here. Well, I uh, I brew most of the time. I, I use a, a brew bag, even if I'm not doing brewing a bag. I still use a brew bag just to so I don't have to worry about stuck mashes and stuff because I use a lot right. of. So I, I imagine if someone's using a false bottom or like a torpedo screen, having a lot of rice might be a problem. It could get kind of, kind of gummy. Okay. So rice holes at that point. <laughs> okay, get, some, get some brown rice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, so uh, one of the other recommendations for making this style too is uh, decocting. Ooh. Really? It is uh, interesting. There's there's a recommendation, I believe, to, uh, and I think that maybe I'd have to go and look at the craft beer and brewing article, but uh, I think that um, that Wayfinder says that they do like do a single decoction on their beer, uh, which I, I did do on my first cold IPA. I think I've done twice now, and I think I used a little bit of melanoidin on my uh, mm. second one. And I'm not sure if with the hops, if I was able to really detect much of a difference or if the melanoidin even really did anything. Um, I'm wondering though, if maybe even the melanoidin is, is not such a good thing in this style because uh, they, they it's really not supposed to have like crystal malt, right? It's supposed to be very, very light colored, uh, not sweet, uh, which melanoidin kind of is. It adds less, this like, kind of bread crusty perception of like richness or sweetness right um, yeah so yeah i, I wonder um yeah, david my, 
Okay. Like my assumption with like them doing the decoction because I do remember seeing that, and I think I did melanoid in my first go through too. Is just to kind of make up for some of the less grain you have in there, but I don't know that it's necessary either. But I think that was like my feeling of it. Is I think the first time I submitted one to a competition, that some of the notes were like that it was uh, really pale, you know, kind of insinuating that maybe it was an IP and they, I think they even mentioned that maybe they thought it was a cold IPA and I was like I don't want you knowing this is a cold IPA is that a correct <laughs> category I mean there's a couple categories you could put it in but uh you know since it's not its own thing yet <laughs> yeah, it can be a dirty cheater and throw it in 34 like I always do <laughs> yeah so you meddled with a cold IPA right Did yeah you, uh, um with the same one I got a gold at beer cup and a silver at the um the state fair and it was a uh, super simple one it was actually your recipe um back in man it had been february or march i was uninspired but i wanted to brew and i threw what i had on the page and you were like brew a cold ipa and i did <laughs> then you called me you said i should do a decoction if i'm not a girly man and i was very offended by that <laughs> i don't i do not recall i'm a logger man a logger boy so i mean, you know, doing a decoction so but i did it and it turned out pretty good i think i just used amarillo and centennial on that one so it was just like a nice kind of in between citrusy and resiny you know but i i like the style a lot um i think the guy from portland the portland brewery um he's nailing it basically it's like a it's like an extreme west coast ipa you know what i mean it's uh it's got a nice clean body and um the lager yeast even helps the the hot character come shine through even more you know Hmm. that's what i think yeah um i see david's question there like for my if i'm using non like not minute rice like when i just was using jasmine rice i did since since i do brew in a bag also i just what i'll do is i'll put you know whatever tap water i'm gonna put in because what i've been doing lately is i use about 50 percent tap water uh bring it up to a boil throw my camden in uh came at a and then uh just to get the chlorine and stuff out. Um, and then I'll throw my bag in there and then toss the rice in. Um, and, you know, just once it's at a boil so that, it, so that I know it's gelatinized and then let it uh, sit for around 20 minutes and then mash in the rest of my strike water. Um, and I usually have to raise the temperature. It'll usually drop my uh, temperature in my mash or well, my brew in a bag kettle. Uh, to about 140 or so after I mix in about five gallons of uh, RO water. Um, and then I bring it back up to my strike temp and mash in with the rest of my grains in the rice. So like I keep, the, I keep all the, all the goods. I mean, I'm sure I killed any enzymes that were in the rice, but I keep all the stuff, starches and stuff from the rice right in there. Well, I mean, I, that rice lager I brewed, since there was so much rice in it, I threw some amylase in it just to, just to be safe, you know. I've been fine converting it with Pilsner malt and stuff. As long as I'm using, you know, base malt in there, it seems to do fine converting it up to 30%, no problem anyways. Hmm. I was responding to somebody real quick here. Um, yeah. Do you think that, uh, like I was just thinking about Tim's, whoops, Tim's uh, comment about his, his hops. Do you think that, like, as a, as a base, uh, using like American Pilsner malt or whatever Pilsner malt, I mean, and uh, like rice and and sort of whatever hops, is that is that sort of like a a better base for you know IPAs for you or or like 
is the caramel thing like that like yeah i mean it's a personal preference um i personally am really over big malty double ipas like i know hop slam super popular and kind of that like midwest style double ipa i i I don't use caramel in any of my beers almost i just don't really care for that much that much you know so i like a good clean beer and um when you told me to brew that beer and i brewed i was like holy shit this is this is it right here i think your recipe had a pound of dextrose in it too so really yeah i'll have to go look at that my my recipe is just the the craft beer and brewing uh um, relapse ipa recipe so i'll have to go take a look at that um and if anybody doesn't have that recipe i think a quick search uh, on google will probably turn it up um Mm -hmm. i I think there's there's got to be a couple homebrew recipes of it available and if not if you can't find it uh, shoot us a message and we'll put it out there or something i don't think it's like proprietary craft beer and brewing knowledge or anything <laughs> like that you know like once once a recipe is out there somewhere it's out there and yeah i think we all know that you know if if the four of us were to even brew that same recipe i mean we're gonna get five different beers so somehow yeah whatever whatever light baseball you have i've used a mixture of Maris Otter and other pale malts and on like my second batch. So, I mean, it's not, not a huge deal. Did you use like, uh, those, those far out, like Australian and New Zealand hops for both batches in Brandon or just the, uh, um, so my, my favorite batch that did well in state fair and at, uh, Michigan beer cup used galaxy strata and, uh, mosaic equal pretty much equal portions that's my favorite combo you entered a cold ipa into those two comps too yeah i I just called it an american i think tim put his in specialty i put mine in american ipa i got a silver at beer cup and a gold at state fair (laughs) okay (laughs) that's funny i um before the show i was actually looking to see uh if there was an official recommendation uh for what BJCP category to enter it under, and like the the official recommendation oh. is mixed style. Okay. Uh, declaring like uh, American IPA and American Lager, I think. Um, that one, okay, that, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't I don't know. It's funny. But I think we got to talk about the yeast too because yeah, totally. It's not Go it's ahead. not an IPO. <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, what's an IPL, right? So let's maybe we talk about what an IPL is first, then. If yeah, that's think, even a real thing, right? Because I mean, that's not people, exactly a... Uh, people made them, and they were, like, traditionally fermented at cold temperatures, and then maybe you attempt to dry hop it right at the end of that before you keg it, and you know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff with that, but mm-hmm. a lot of those are aged, and you would lose a lot of that, um, a lot of those hop characteristics. So mm-hmm. it came out... Honestly, I think the IPLs tasted a lot more like a clean version of like what IPA was 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Where it was really like a lot of bittering, but that's about it, you know, going on. Do you, the, the IPLs that you have, do you think that they've been as bitter as the cold IPAs that you've tasted? Or is it more like a dry hopped, like Pilsner sort of thing with, with a little bit more bitterness? Um, I, I think, I mean, that's, that's kind of why I like the cold IPA. It's like the, um, it's the hops aren't, the hops aren't, uh, hammered as much. I feel like, because since it is such a clean base, 
and the, the yeast is so clean that you can use fewer hops to get more character, I think. I don't know. Okay. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm totally I'm with just, you. I miss a guy drinking a hot beer right now. <laughs> how, many, how many hops do you guys usually throw in versus, like, say, your, your cold IPA versus, you know, a standard, Ooh. you know, American style? Okay, let's see here. That's probably oh, a difference. Pretty similar. <laughs> Hold on, the, let me convert grams to ounces here. Real quick. <laughs> the, the the wayfinder recipe, I think, in total, maybe calls for five to six ounces. That's not bad. Uh, which which I would probably use. Actually, I probably use more than that in my my standard American IPA uh, recipe, just because I've been big into like whirlpooling and dry hopping lately. <laughs> um, but uh, the the wayfinder recipe. It calls for a really small whirlpool. Well, let's see here, 0. 0.6 ounces uh, in whirlpool, uh, but it's a big dry hop. Uh, it's 4.2 ounces of dry hop. So Ooh, that's big. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all about that that aroma, I guess. But I'd, I'd you know I'd love to experiment with a bigger whirlpool. Uh, my second batch in the whole, if I'm counting hot side. Uh, whirlpool and dry hop used 14 ounces of hops. <laughs> oh, that, that's, that's that's about what what most New England recipes. Yeah, I, I kind of right? hopped it like a New England. So okay, I use six and seven in mine. So yeah, right about right about the wayfinder amount or something. Yeah, what were you saying, Tim? Really about <laughs> yeast, right? We need to talk about yeast. Yeah, so I think a lot of us. All of us, anyway, I believe we're using the same yeast strain for our cold IPAs because it is super happy at low-end ale temps. And so you don't have to dink around with firm chambers. and. Um, That's that 3470? Yeah, yep. Yeah. 3470, it's easy to find. It's dry. You don't have to. And honestly, 3470, I don't get much character out of it ever. It's a super clean strain to a fault. Sometimes a certain beer is like, I've used uh, I've used it for like big multi beers like Doppelbox and stuff and didn't care for the the character in it. Mm. For this beer, I think it's perfect because it doesn't it doesn't really leave anything behind. It just kind of like does its job and then you know attenuates and goes away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I hear that Diamond is pretty popular too for it. I think Diamond is another lager yeast that can actually do pretty well at warmer temps. Yep, uh, I've used that twice now. Have you? Okay. Yep. For for cold IPAs, that's what you use? I've, I used 3470 my first time. Let me actually check my... I might have used it actually for my one that I entered in. state. Yeah, I used that also for the one I entered in State Fair and uh, Michigan Beer Cup. So I like I like Diamond. I, I've treated it just like 3470 and gotten similar results. So. Okay. Good to know. Oh, that's good to know. Uh, Tim, you do a lot of pressure fermenting, right? Yes. Did you pressure ferment your cold IPA? I did. Oh, um, okay. And the only pain in the ass about that was dry hopping. You have to like depressurize and you know not kill yourself with it. <laughs> anyway, when I dry hop my uh, my rice lager, I only put an ounce in, but I did not have the spunning valve set correctly, so like the internal pressure was probably twenty. So just trying to open it up, it was like oh. so I had to put a towel on it and then just like throw it in there and put it back up so 
It can be a pain in the butt. Did uh did it attenuate pretty well? In, oh yeah. You know, room temperature out under pressure or whatever. Yep. Okay. Yep. I can't check um, final gravity because it's carbonated, but. You know. Oh, oh. So do you sort of like naturally carb it, like most of the way before you even keg it? Yes. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. Do you do you? So this is again getting sort of off topic, maybe. But do you like pressurize your keg then and transferize into a yeah? So pressurized keg or okay. Yep, it goes into a um a keg that's full of sanitizer, and I purge that, and then when that's empty, I I, I uh, go right into the keg. So it's all CO two. Hmm. Okay. Yep. I like it. I was really intimidated by that, and then I watched. I think I think I talked to you, and you were just like, "Oh yeah, just do this." And I was like, "Oh yeah." When I did it, I'm like, "Oh wow." I don't I don't pressure transfer when anything's carb, so that's where my you don't get any like foaming or bubbles or anything like that. No, not really. Cool. Oh, that's super cool. <laughs> David's talking <laughs> shit over there. No, yeah, I was just I gonna mean, say that's he's that's on our, point. That's our slogan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says off topic on Michigan Brews eight eight. So yeah. Fucking hellfire, David. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm I'm drinking this and I'm I'm really trying to think of a, another beer that I can compare it to. And, and really there there isn't anything. It's um it's it's not <laughs> I, I don't I don't want to say like it's it's not different enough to be called a different style or a new style or whatever, but um I really think it it's it's like on the precipice. Is that do they use the same uh hops and everything as all day for that one? Who knows? Yeah, it's it's tough to say. It definitely doesn't taste like all day IPA. Um all day IPA for me is um more bitter than this. Hmm. And it this this has a a particular flavor and I might just have to attribute it to an adjunct or something because you know you, you don't know what ingredients are this you can't say whether they actually use rice or anything or who knows but yeah it, it, it does remind me of um of, of my cold IPA but you know it's also a session so it's tough to say uh I feel like with session IPAs it's really just kind of tough to to gauge uh anything in them because the 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 alcohol is low the body typically tends to be a little bit lower the flavor tends to be a little bit lower like for for an ipa i think like the the ideal range is maybe like around six to seven percent to really like i don't know gauge a gauge of flavor and quality of like hops and, and recipe and stuff like that but um certainly for a for a session beer it's it's killer I wonder if uh, that go that club out of Goshen is going to do a, another comp. Last year they did that session one. Mm. And, uh, I think a session uh, a session cool IPA would be a cool brew actually. It would be. It'd be hmm. Let's do it. Even Jordan, get on that shit. Uh, dude, you know I was just thinking like I've never used rice. I've got a bunch of thirty four seventy sitting around. I've been itching to brew. Let's go. Like, do it. You don't have to do the decoction or anything like that. I kind of like doing decoctions. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I decocted my fest beer this year. Um, it's one of the only beers that I usually do that with. 
but I liked it so much. Part of me is like, maybe I just need to start doing this more and more and more. Uh, I, I brought probably about three and a half gallons of uh, that Fest beer, uh, Meritson, and a red IPA to a party a couple days ago and served it out of a jockey box that I, I built. And I brought home an empty Fest beer keg, a gallon and a half of red IPA, and a gallon and a half of Meritson, you know? So, uh, nice. yeah, people were going for the Fest beer. And, and I really, I, I wonder the flavor was really good and it had this sort of like just a little bit of like grainy sweetness and i don't know if it's like appropriate for the style or not but it it made it really good and unique and it was really drinkable and and i wonder if if it was the decoction that did that you know because i don't do it often enough to really compare you know apples to apples but right right i i might have to get on that it's not that hard it does make for a little bit of a longer brew day but Man, if it if it can end up making that much of a difference in the beer, maybe it's worth it, especially if you're competing. You know, yeah. adds yeah. a little extra complexity. One, yep. one of the the things that uh, Jason and I say in like the competition uh, presentation that we give occasionally is is you know do something a little bit extra. If you're like in the middle or the end of that flight, you want your beer to stand out a little bit, maybe like a decoction is going to just even a single decoction is going to add like a little bit of complexity there. So, uh, oh, yeah. I, more experimentation needed for me to, to see if it wasn't just my recipe or something, but damn, uh, I may have to try that again for the cold IPA. Um, it's to me, it seems like it's kind of odd to do it for an IPA style, but it does seem weird. It does. Yeah. It's, it's, but fuck it, whatever. I'll do it. Well, one, I mean, one, how much is that? It's not going to ruin your beer. One. No. You know what I mean? It's just going to add some long chains and a little bit of, a little bit of mallard reaction, just a little bit. And that's, I think that's kind of making up You're you're getting a little bit of that character, but without caramel and stuff. So I like it, you know, and I also did a, I did a caption mash the first time on my fest beer too. And it, it tasted a lot different. Like, hmm. um, not in a bad way, like, like you said, uh, like a like a sweet malty in the background, you know. Hmm. So, been wanting to do a fest beer too. So, uh. <laughs> don't don't get tied up in in the seasonal beer like mentality. Like I, I brewed a Meritzen in, in March, which is kind of traditional. But like I drank <laughs> the shit out of it. You know? <laughs> right, right. And then I drank it and brewed another one, and I kind of want to brew another one. You know, in November, and, and drink that again too. You're wrong, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I we we had this discussion when we did our our fest beer and merits and tasting episode a couple weeks ago, and it it really is maybe one of my favorite styles. So. But yeah. I'm I'm sort of committed to to 2023 trying to brew um, things I've never brewed before too. So if you guys have recommendations on things that you've brewed that you really liked, I I. I don't, I really haven't branched out as much as I, you know, as I thought I had. Uh, yeah. Did we mention the Master Homebrewer program earlier on the show? Or was that before we started? That was pre show, I think. Okay. Yeah, beforehand. Um, I think you talked about it a little bit in a previous, I think you talked about it in the Nerd episode because I okay. actually watched that whole one because, you know, I, I'm a cherry picker. 
That's fine. That's fair. I think I think a lot of people are. But uh, we're going to have uh, some of the board of directors for the Master Homebrew program on the show in November. We're, we're nailing down the date still. Uh, but I was just talking to them today. And uh, looking at my sheet, though, that the program puts together uh, just gives me an idea of, of how many <laughs> styles of beer that I haven't brewed before. <laughs> um or, or beers that maybe I have brewed but haven't submitted to a competition. Jordan, I think we had a discussion, I don't know, a little bit ago about Heffies. And and I realized that I haven't brewed a Heffy in like four or five years. Yeah, same here. Know, it's like fucking, it's Heffies. I'm like, yeah. You know why? But I haven't. It's it's one of the simplest beers you can make. It's like two malts. And yeah. Like, <laughs> But then, yeah. then I want them like, oh, you know, I've never done a Dunkelweizen either. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do one of those. And Use the yeast cake from the Heffy for the Dunkel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a great idea. Uh, Bring it out, you know. Yep, that's a great idea. I so. think I think it'd be really smart. I mean, all of us, I think all, well, maybe not Jordan, but all of us brew enough. Like how many batches do you do a year nowadays, Jordan? Oh, boy. Um uh, I'm assuming that's not including cider. <laughs> oh, why not? Yeah. Oh, because I've got like 40 gallons of cider sitting down here in my basement right now. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, a lot, but I think I think I've done I think I've done three or four beers this year. So mm-hmm. not not that many beers. I've got stuff to brew. I think I'm gonna do some sort of like Bach or something okay. like that. I've got 10 pounds of Marisotter. And a myriad of other, you know, one pound things that I got from Bell's when it was on super sale. So I'm just kind of going to hack and beer a brew together. And nice. Well, and actually, I so I actually take the point I was about to make was completely wrong. I think this could work for anybody, but breweries have a brew calendar, right? Mm. Where they have what beer they want to have on tap this time, and you have a month before this, you brew it and you. You know what I mean? You give that time. It might be advantageous for for all of us to really have that where you're like, you know, all right, especially with, you know, competitions and stuff. Okay, I want to make sure I have this yeah. beer ready for this comp. Yeah. I always have my party and I always want to have a good variety. And there's a few I brew every year for it. It would actually be smart to have a calendar just for that. And actually, even if you only brew five beers a year, and Jordan, you got young kids, so it's harder for you to, to fit them in, you know? Yep. Overnight mashes have helped. Yeah. Um, but that's a, you know, to that point, Tim, like the year or two before my son was born, I actually did something similar to that because I was focused, I was starting to get more focused in on the brewing for competitions, brewing more classic styles, less, less weird shit with adjuncts and everything. So I was trying to plan that out so that way I could hit competitions at certain times. Um, but, and then also like kind of sticking to, styles that you know i know i brew well trying to refine things a little more um but but yeah yeah i mean it wasn't like i i essentially my wife and i share a calendar so i pretty much just put my brew days Mm -hmm. on the calendar that we shared so that way she knew but now with a two and a half year old it's basically like okay well i'm not doing anything friday night and saturday morning so that's that's what i'm gonna brew I want to tell you, it gets better. <laughs> I brewed a beer Saturday. 
and I was by myself because Connie was working. I brewed a beer. So nice. And they ran around and fought and hit each other with sticks. <laughs> <laughs> and after they were fighting, they, all those those flavor pumps we have for like syrups. Yeah. Like filling up empty pot bottles with a bunch of those syrups and going, hey, Dad, here's some Diet Mountain Dew for you. Try this out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them are like, ha, ha, we tricked you. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's valleys. There's good stuff. There's bad yeah. stuff. But everybody survived, you know. Oh, absolutely. All the limbs, absolutely. All limbs were intact. All the fingers. <laughs> Ooh, that was better. Guess I got to adjust my lighting back. That's <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So I guess the only thing I really haven't had at this point now is uh, is a double a cold IPA. Right? Oh shit! Does that does that defeat the purpose of cold IPA if you if you go double? Does it get like a little sweeter? Wait, du- double or imperial? <laughs> you might you might as well. Um, did you guys have Blakey's Harvest Cold IPA he made? Yeah, yeah, that was at your party, right? No, he had it yeah. at the last at the uh, two brew meetings ago. I must have. I used Bill's yeah. hops for my harvest ale, but Bill took his same hops and he made a cold IPA with it, and it turned out pretty damn good. Okay. I loved it when he brought it. Yeah, two meetings ago, I think. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, <clears throat> that was yummy. So I mean, people are already branching out. Cold harvest IPA, cold cold imperial. Let's go. I'm for it. I mean, I made a cold rye IPA and it was all right. You know, I mean, it's one of those things where you can just, we're all kind of experimenting. So I think maybe Jordan, you got to make the double. I think it's your turn. All right. All right. <laughs> there we go. Just, uh, treat the rice like it's your simple, sh- whatever simple sugar you're using, you know? Yep. <laughs> and if you're like local breweries around here, it can be 6.8%. It's a double. So you're good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. No. That's call anybody out. <clears throat> no, I didn't. I didn't say anybody's name. If you uh, if you look at my lips, they're swelled up because I just had a delicious hot beer. Ooh. Uh, if anybody wants to know how to hot beer, I'm gonna. I was, I was just because I gotta leave to get a beer in a second. You open a can of a delicious light lager like Hams. The beer, refreshing, of course. You take some hot sauce that's not too hot for your pooper, and you go around the rim, completely cover it. And you take a season salt off the beer, not your pooper. Yep, you can use tahini. I use Lawry's today. I've heard of Montreal steak season being good, but it is it's delightful. It's huh. a great it's a great nightcap. Where did where did the to get completely off topic? Where did this come from? Is this something we invented? <laughs> transient. This, transient. Okay. Transient. They started, right. as far as I know. I mean, they might have got it from somewhere else, but they yeah. made a collab with uh, um, with drafting table over on the east side. They're in Wixom. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. Dragon. And they they made the collab beer. They called theirs Shams and Transient, and then Drafting Table calls theirs Cold Style. Oh, I didn't realize it was the same beer. Yep. Okay. And uh, they do hot beers at Transient. Yeah, Shams is good shit. And actually, Transient and Drafting Table are right next to each other at the, the Fall Beer Fest, so we'll be able to try them next to each other. Woo. I that's a good reminder. I'm gonna. I don't know if they're gonna bring any, but maybe we should bring some hot sauce and like Lori's or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I mean, it's a beer festival. Just put it on your yeah, necklace. Yeah. Well, you can, I walked around with a backpack full of homemade pretzels one year at the Winter Beer Fest. So okay. Don't, don't, don't okay. Let you do that shit. Sweet. 
that was do you have to bring an empty can just so we can like like i don't know how yeah i don't know how to how to rim a a glass or whatever i think you could probably just rim it yeah okay you know rim it before or just dump it right in i don't know yeah or just chase it grab like a little plastic solo cup full of hot sauce and just go like dip your glass in there oh yeah okay rim it with some rim job and then put some beer in there all right sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna uh stop my can go get another beer and then uh sorry for derailing the meeting there there's there's no rails here man (laughs) sometimes there's only so much to talk about like in a a particular style i'm I'm trying to think of like honestly we we didn't really cover anything for for cold ipa i know we talked about hops talked about yeast we talked about like rice there's not a whole lot to talk about with uh with them all talked about fermentation temperature a little bit how we want to yep. generally it's recommended to ferment it a little bit of the warmer side with the, the yeast that's well the co- the cooler side of ale temperatures right sure yeah yeah that's 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 what i what i took away from it so you're not lagering it no. correct but you're using lager yeast mm-hmm. at the cooler or, side or just any any really low ester yeast yeah um, okay I, I think I, that you can. I've not tried it with like. Something. I haven't tried it with like O five or something. I was just gonna say because wouldn't O five work then at that point? Even at low temps, I think O five is more estery than you know a, a warmer fermented thirty four seventy. So oh, yeah, thirty four seventies. You tried Nottingham so. really low. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You can ferment that down to like mid fifties, like a lager yeast too. So like you could, yeah, dude, not him does not give a fuck. <laughs> like if you got, if you got ambient basement temps in the fifties and you got a, a stout or something, it's happy. It doesn't care. Do you ferment under pressure at all, Jordan? I do not curious about it. I don't know where I would put all the stuff to do so. Um, yeah. But... Well, that, that helps too. I think. Yeah. With, uh, with the lageries. I think you could use any. In fact, I did uh, that rice lager I just brewed. I just used uh, Omega Pilsner 1. And I just fermented under pressure at 65 with a Pilsner 1. So we'll see how that turned out. It might be shit, but. Shit <laughs> will be fantabulous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, this is, this is my first year doing lagers primarily, too, because I actually have a lagering chamber. So that is. All I've done this year. Ooh. Hell yes. I'm so, so proud of you. Yeah. I, I mean, I like it. It's just naturally where my, you know, my palate's moved as I, you know, get get into the old ages. But so that's that's where I'm going. Don't see myself changing that up anytime soon, except for maybe with a this cold IPA, because I'm curious and I want to try it. But my basement stays cool enough, so I'll just. So what's what's the consensus? Is cold IPA a style of its own? Is it something that's going to make it into the the BJCP guidelines in twenty twenty five, or will it go the way of brute did, IPA? Did New England get its own category? New England is, yeah. Yep. Okay. New, England's, New England's a category. Did did, did uh, brute get its own? It did. Yep. Okay. Well, then, yeah, I would I would say so. Because, uh, I mean, how popular was brute? That was like two weeks. It was really popular. I I loved them. I loved most of them that I had. But I also, honestly, you know, I was thinking about this because I think, um, like when I've brewed IPAs for a long time, 
there for a while. I, I've used like Pilsner malts and whatnot. So like a lot of looking at some recipes for cold IPAs online. Uh, and then for a while there, I was using corn, like very similar styles to some of the my favorite IPAs that I've brewed. So I'm like, ah, I've kind of done some of this stuff before. Um, I've just never used like 3470. I almost mm-hmm. always used USO5. So it's just mm-hmm. interesting. It's the next but, logical step. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. So like I've just bought a shit ton of hops too. So I got to use, I got to use them up. Considering there's no like IPL category right now in the BJCP guidelines. um, I I think that something is going to find its way in there the next time they get, they get revisited. It's it's tough to say if it's going to be cold IPA or or IPL or both. I actually don't really see any IPLs anymore. Um, Um, Like, Territorial does one still because okay. they're, uh, but they do all but one of the beers, a lager anyway. Well, maybe two. I think they're Berliner. They become Berliner too. So if you, if you taste that beer and you think cold IPA, is it, is it a matter of hop selection? Like how, how Czech beers rely on Saz to sort of be, you know, Czech? Do you think like a, a cold IPA sort of has to be like sea hops and American hops? Or is it, is it about the, the, the rice or the body like yeah i think it's a little bit a little bit of all of it and then like sans caramel malts okay i you know honestly i'd like to know too so maybe i'll brew like something with some nobly hops i got a bunch of ekg that's kind of i mean it's english but um and that's got some mildly citrusy notes to it be be interesting to do one with a bunch of like kind of more pedestrian hops, but yeah, maybe all saws or something. See how it turns mm-hmm. out. That'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it would be. And we I mean, is it just going to be a hoppy, a hoppy pilsner then at that point, you know, maybe, some, uh, exactly. Right. Yeah. Super sizer from a, uh, you know, one of the Michigan, uh, hop, I mean, a hop Alliance, I think, isn't it? Yeah. If, if you, if you keep this, the exact same grain bill, uh, you know, say like 20, 30% rice, American pilsner, did we uh, go ahead, Brian? Sorry. Oh, no. Yeah, you're fine. I was just going to say, if you do all that and use like EKG or Saz or Hallertau, like, like, is it, I mean, it's not going to be like a cold IPA, right? Like it, it's missing some of the more like citrusy American flavors I, at that point. Right. I don't know. Probably. But did we, okay. did we touch on um, IBUs for cold IPAs? Like, is there a certain point where you might get away from like a hoppy Pilsner into more of a cold IPA because to me, like an IPA is going to be a little bit more bitter than any Pilsner that's out there. I agree. A pretty distinct mm-hmm. jump in yeah. between the two. Both, so. both the colds I did. Um, the first one was fifty-five, but it was pretty it was old when I turned it in. Actually, so I wonder if the dry hop even knocked down a little bit, so maybe it was even cleaner. I don't okay. know. And then yeah, the other one was 54. So I've been rocking mid-50s on my cold IPAs. For theoretical IPA, IBUs? Yeah, for theoretical. And then the the rice lager I just did that I did hop and dry hop is only um, 24. So okay. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a huge difference. Yeah. You know? I just pulled up the relapse uh Wayfinder relapse and it does say 70 plus on like the oh, beer wow. and brewery wow. for IBUs. So, okay. 
I we're, we're, all my beers in the mid fifties, or else my wife won't help me drink it. So. <laughs> Where's American IPA set? Do we know off the top of our heads? Fifty to seventy, something okay. like that. Yeah, okay. little, yeah, like mid mid fifties, low seventies. I got it right here. Um, you can probably go lower. Forty but... to seventy. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. That's it's a, a it's a big range. That's yeah. a huge range. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I. I think it'll be its own style. Um, I think all the IPLs I had were just, they just took their IPA recipe and used lager yeast. You yep. know what I mean? I'm with you. Well, yeah. it, wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't like there was any other consideration. I really think this cold IPA thing is like, it's like the, the exact opposite extreme of the New England. So New England is like shit tons of hot vegetation floating in it high body juicy like that right and this is just like motherfucking clean yeah you know? yeah yeah and that's where i am i'm super sick of new england's i'll drink all your guys's new england's and enjoy them but i will probably never brew another new england ipa again i haven't made one in a long time i'm, I'm with you tim i don't drink them fast enough oh. they oxidize and get icky if you don't drink them in a, you know in a, in, a, in a month or two and i don't know I think I've only ever brewed it like four times, maybe five times, uh, uh, New England style. But I generally naturally gravitate towards lighter bodied beers, unless it's a you know real heavy stout. Um, and even then, like I might have, you know, an eight ounce snifter of, you know, a ten twelve percent like heavy, you know, imperial stout. Most of the time, I'm going to be drinking something that's lighter lighter weight lighter body yeah so, I've, so. I've always preferred american ipas over new england's myself so like even though when they first came totally, out yeah. yeah it was it was always, it was always nice you know, the first time you had whatever far out thing you got or when m43 you know finally was was the big thing here in michigan you know and further now that was nice getting a hold of that like oh this is really great but you know now that's all breweries knew how to brew for the longest time well, I yeah. think it was just a is a cat. I mean, you got to brew what you want, you know. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, M forty three saved Old Nation. Yeah. It did. The Old yeah, Nation yeah. was a traditional German brewery, you know. Mm-hmm. And they, they have were some huge. Beers. And they were super. They were super huge. So there's a ton of ton of cash invested, and jumping on that train saved their life. So. Yep. Oh, I don't blame them. I think a lot of my problem in New England's too is like a lot of people they can't get away from bittering. So it's like it's like yeah. oh we have to bitter this IPA right, and so you'll go no. somewhere and have their New England and it'll be juicy and it'll be like, it'll be you know have the body and stuff but it'll be like that the hot burn is just like oh yeah like, like I can I'm getting heartburn just thinking about it right now <laughs> just and there'll be seventy IBUs and it's like holy crap man like you, you ever had like Treehouse or like those beers are like thirty. 25 IBUs because everything's late edition. The, you know, the cold IPAs, maybe I I think like West coast IPAs, they're they're very much more drinkable. Uh, They're drier. A lot of the new England IPAs, like the recipes that you see and even the ones that I've made finish at like 1025 yeah, or, you know, or higher. I've, I think I've had one that finished at like ten thirty before. Like yeah, a, yeah, you match like one fifty six. Yeah, 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 and uh, and it, and it, you know, it tastes good for a glass, but it's not one of those beers that you're going back for like again and again and again. It's like 
maybe that's how you start your night or something but a lot of people put lactose in them too to add body i think that's been that's been slowly getting less and less common (laughs) but at the beginning it for sure was yeah Um, i heard of breweries throwing flour yep i've heard of that yeah that was that was was a big rumor or whatever at the beginning and i'm absolutely sure that that happened I doubt that's that's as common as four out there, but yeah. <laughs> so is the next big thing gonna be a cold underscore style? No nope. cold imperial style. Cold tropical style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's already a thing. Is it's tropical stouts are fermented with lager use anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> with lager yeast, right? I think so. Or was that the yeah. joke? Am I just ruining the and joke? Then Baltic Porter as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I think tropical stout you could use like estery estery yeast too. I think I think those actually might be just for like uh brewing warm more than anything. Yeah. But okay. it's not something that I really have ever made. So have you guys well, had any this yet this year? No. But that there's that not, in Bel- there's in no Bell's distro. Harbor. There's What's no up? distro. They're not distributing it all this year. Did you get that from the general store? Yeah, that's the only place you can buy it. For the for those listening to the podcast later, it's a uh, Bell's Best Brown. Yeah, sorry, Bell's Best Brown. Um, oh, I had no idea. Yeah, so I w- I was in there looking for some ingredients, and I saw it, and I'm like, oh, I better get it because this is the only chance I get, and it's still excellent. I mean, it's. I think one thing about Bell's, Bell's rarely beer, brews a beer that blows my mind, but they brew a lot of archetypes. You know what I mean? They do. Like uh, They've made a cold IPA at, at least twice, I think, yeah, that they yeah. only put into the, It's it's been like a general store release, but. Yeah, yeah. And they're, and those those idea series are, are either hit or miss, but the hits are great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They did that Imperial Keller beer. That was super interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of really good ones. That's actually what I was, what I was looking for was that Imperial Keller beer in my fridge because that's kind of like, I mean, it's a lager and it was actually pretty hoppy. So I was thinking like, oh, maybe that kind of worked for it, but I drank them all. Nice mute. That was good. Excuse me. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> it, was, it was a couple of big sneezes. Um, that's a pro right there. Dizzy. Uh, but I, I think that a lot of the big breweries in Michigan have, have put out a cold IPA now uh, in some fashion. Uh, I, I was kind of Googling around and I think that I saw one from like shorts and I think I saw okay. one from like, uh, like, like maybe Griffin Claw or something. I Don't quote me. I, I have for, to go for back and, look and see what I was actually looking at, but like cold IPAs. Oh, okay. Um, yep. and, and I feel like, you know, this happened with Brewed IPAs too. Everybody put out their Brewed IPA, yeah. but the founders never canned a Brewed IPA like they have this cold IPA. Um, and so, you know, I'm thinking that, and and for sure, I don't think they tasted as good. The I know Jordan, you said you liked them a lot. The only good Brewed IPA I think I ever had was uh, a Founders one, and that was a tap room only beer. Yeah, um, I didn't care for them. Yeah, they were they tasted un unbalanced to me. Like they were so dry, and I know you probably like the carbonation, Brian. But I did. 
but it's it's almost too high so <laughs> wait what as, mu- as, what? as much Hold as on. i know I, as what? much as i love carbonation <laughs> something like champagne uh just it like it affects me like in a very negative way like <laughs> I get really drunk off of champagne, and and I don't I don't know what it is. I must oh, sorry, Brandon. <laughs> Hi, welcome back. Hiding back um, it must just be the bubbles or something. But uh, in in something like a a brew IPA, the carbonation is so high that the carbonic acid just sort of takes uh, takes over, and it tastes like it, it tastes like you know carbonic acid instead of like yummy hops and malt. Like it's kind of gross there's no like i don't like seltzers yeah i I mean seltzers at least usually have a little bit of like flavoring to them uh you know like a mio or something something that adds like a little bit of sweetness Mm. um so there's at least a little bit of something there yeah dang those brood ipas were just rough it was fun though. It was a good trend, but yeah, I just I just don't think that the balance was there. And and cold IPAs, I think they do have a balance. Yeah, the ones the ones that I've tried. So I don't know. There, there we go. Hey, you know, maybe oh, we can do nice. a cold cold Nipa or or cold brute. That oh, God, <laughs> a cold brute IPA. That, that might have to be a thing. <laughs> All right. No, I think so. I have, um, I have an ounce of cryo mosaic and cryo citra, and I've got probably three ounces of amarillo left. So I was gonna do a, I was gonna do a juicy, not a, not like a New Englandy, but my next cold IPA was gonna be more like kind of citrusy, juicy hops. Maybe I'll do a ten gallon batch and just use, um, like I've got eight ounces of Hallertau Blanc. You think that'd be? Yeah. Sure. I've done IPAs with that a few times. I like, I love that hop. Yeah. I got it free from Downey from when he brought over the 75. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, I snagged some of that cause I just ran out and I still have some. So yeah. Yeah. Hop. So maybe I'll do a, maybe I'll do a 10 gallon batch and uh hop half of it with, uh, you know, fruity hops and half it with a Hallertau block and see if how it comes out, you know? Because I have two two of the same fermenters, and I can pitch the same yeast and everything, and kind of keep it similar. So yeah, I think it was. I thought, I thought Holler Tau Blanc was kind of fruity. I got to look at the. Maybe I'm getting my. That's why I asked. I don't have any idea. I've never used it before. I still Doesn't have it like like sort of like white wine characters. Yeah, so white yeah. wine and fruit aromas yeah. of cassis, elderflower, grapes, grapefruit, right. lemon grass. All right. Not it's that compared one. to Nelson Nelson Savin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's it. That's good to know. Yeah. I can just get some uh, some saws or I've got some hops, some noble hops, but they're supposed to be for Connie to brew a Mexican lager, but that could be like seven months from now. Who knows? So that's uh, <laughs> good to know, Brandon. I I did a, a hops a hop cider a number of years ago with Nelson yeah. that I loved, um, but I don't have any right now. But I do have Hollertown yeah. blocks, so I may throw three or four Pretty ounces sure. into one of my batches of cider. You just dry hop it nice. in? Yep. Yep. Hop sock right in. Leave it in there for, I don't know how long, a week or so. Okay. And keg it up. I'm going to I'm gonna mess around with some cider blending. So, because I had, uh, I got yep. 10 gallons from Houston. 
actually, I think he gave me like 11 or 12, but he was pretty, he was pretty generous filling up those buckets. Yep. He had uh, um, one of them with Bell Cezanne and the other one with Abby East. So, oh, very nice. I want to try Bell Cezanne. I don't, I didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. I've got a few batches with 71B going. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd have to go out and take a look at it. I know I've got one that was an experimental kind of that I'm, I'm cold fermenting with uh, 3470. Oh. Just to see how, see what the fuck happens with it, you know. That's, that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> I've got a couple, or I think it might have one 1118 going on. Um, might have one or two other ale yeasts going, but I haven't done, I've heard the, the bell stays on yeast does really well. Yeah, I was I liked it last year, but then I wanted to try something else. And I've got um I still got three gallons of a really, really acidic cider from uh another cidery. And I was thinking about blending because the Houston stuff tasted good, but there's like a the there's a character missing to it. Like it was it needed an acid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Mm-hmm. I might just like throw like a half gallon of that in and see see how it turns out. But yeah, Man, using, using 3470 in a, a cider, that's like, that's some next level shit right there. <laughs> I just, I did some, did some rating on uh, shit that, what is that, homebrew, not the subreddit, but the, oh, homebrew talk. those homebrew forms. Yeah, homebrew talk. Um, and there wasn't a whole lot on it. Some people said like, oh, it produces too much sulfur. Sulfur is what like, I was worried about with it. Well, yeah. Exactly, but that's not like a terrible thing with insider and you know tim's talking about blending so i'm like you know it might be a good addition to blend back into well but you can i mean i used to use I me mean, when i first started brewing lagers i used white labs and that shit like produces sulfur like oh yeah so i'd, I'd brew a four percent pilsner and have to lager for three months you know I mean? <laughs> yeah so, i mean yeah. you can just lager the cider and the sulfur should should shit out eventually you know? yeah yeah well that's, you know, that's, that's the, kind of the correct term too this well for shit, shit out. yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it was just an ex- it was just an experiment so i'm like i i had a i went on yeast buying tirades over the summer uh and apparently forgot that i had been buying yeast uh so i bought like like two or three different like five packs of 71b and had had them in different fridges around my house so and i did the same thing with 3470 so i was like i've got a ton of 3470 i've got a ton of 71b um i've got a ton of um like um like wheat like wisen yeast as well just it's all dry stuff so i'm like okay well this is what i'm using for a while i guess heck yeah man i can't wait to drink your i haven't had any of your beer how long has it been drink a beer you made? It's probably been a long time. I haven't been able to make it to meetings in a long time. I know. I've had I think I've had mead from you recently, but not not beer. Yep. So. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'll try to fix that, Tim. Yeah. Who? Who's the beer? Brandon, <laughs> Getting this, on it. this may be a question for you because you're like the, the dry yeast guy. Have you used uh S one eighty nine? I actually have not, but yeah, that's is that the Swiss the Swiss lager yeast? Yeah, uh, I hear a lot of people really really like that more than like even Diamond or or thirty four seventy. Who, who makes that? Fermentus. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's one of their other ones. Like I, I have not actually used that, but that's been one I've meant to 
try. Got, but I might have a pack of that. I've got a few packs of like some weird fermentous stuff that because they're like what two dollars and something like that at at the homebrew store. Like if I, I see something, I haven't. Yeah. If I haven't seen something, I'll just while I'm there, I'll just grab them. You know, it's yeah. dry yeast. They'll keep. Thirty four seventy is like six bucks though. It is. I yeah. Know. yeah, yeah. That's why I'm kind of upset. I have so much of it. Is, it. is it because of just supply, like demand is high for it? So I don't know. You know, so yeah. my cider this year, my fire cider and my Perry, I used uh, Red Star Cote de Blanc, and it was fifty cents for five. Uh, <laughs> Anything grams. Red Star is you know, like cheap. <laughs> why? Why is this used fifty cents in in you know thirty four seventy? Essentially, like what? It's well, like usually, grams for like the wine is usually in five gram packs, but I mean they still are cheaper per gram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, because normally it's eleven, right? Yeah, ten to ten to eleven point five or ten to twelve now, depending on. I, like, I am excited for the future of dry yeast. I think I think a lot of the companies are starting to like realize. I mean, Evil Mega, like they make the dry version of Lutra now, and you know. I mean, it helps. It helps their storage. It helps the shelf life. If you can desiccate a yeast, I mean, it's it's gonna stay there for a lot longer than it's gonna yeah. be good in the liquid form. Yeah, so it's just a better business model on their end. Helps home brewers because now I don't have to go through the shit so much. Well, and it's gotta help the store too because now you don't have a bunch of yeast that's gonna like. Mm-hmm. I'm like yep. I went into a homebrew store that I'm not gonna mention, and and uh, they had all these packs in there of uh, yeast, and they were like blown up. Yep. They're They've still, been sitting there too long, probably. They're still yeah. sitting there full price, blown up, like, yeah. oh my God. It's great. What are you doing? What are you doing with yourself? <laughs> yeah, Brandon Brandon's pretty much converted me in the last year or so to to using I think I'm like 90% dry yeast now these days. Um it may change because in 2023, again, I've committed to brewing a bunch of styles that you know, I, I haven't I haven't brewed before. Like I I'm gonna have to rely on you a little bit, Brandon, and tell me maybe like what what you know if there's a dry heffy yeast that's really good or something or that's I, ha- for... I have one. Okay. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a good Munich heffy classic, yeast, but maybe well, got... really a heffy. Yeah, I don't think it'll work. But but um, yeah, it, Brian. So are you that heffy is on your list? It is heffy yeah, and, and dunkel. Uh, yep. Fun fact: My first five-gallon batch of beer was a Dunkel Weiss. I don't even fucking like Weiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a huge Weiss Weiss character. Yeah, uh, me either. Myself, May I drink it? I can do them in in a little bits, or I prefer like the ones that aren't super super heavy. But yeah. I I wasn't, you know, it, it just my palate wasn't craving it until i went out to steins park recently Ooh. and and had uh it might have been like a hof brauhaus heffy or something like that and it was so fucking good i was like oh my god like this is what like actual good heffy tastes like <laughs> like it's been so long like banana or clove it's or if like, i had a, if i had like a, it, it'd be balanced towards the banana probably okay. but but it's it's a good split it definitely has both I, I think those German heffies are more subtle. So like it, it, yeah. it was yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, Uzos, they always had half or sure half hefweizen on tap, and I'm not a hefweizen guy, and I'd always drink that there because it was yeah. just like 
It was almost like if you took a American Hefweizen and mixed it with a plain American wheat beer. Yep. And it was like, it was subtle. Like, yeah. Most flavors were there, but it wasn't like, boom, in your face, like a Belgian beer or something. That's, that's why yeah. I like a lot of these German styles, honestly, like why I liked these Polliner beers, because they're just, they're, the flavors are subtle and delicate, but you can still like pick out each of the, each of the flavors and pieces. Um, but yeah. I was going to go someplace else with that too. Completely forgot where that was going, but I'll let you think on it and, and I'll, I'll kind of bounce off of uh, Tim's comment there uh, again at uh, uh, science park. I had a, I think it was gaffle. Brandon, does that sound right? Um, Kolsch. Well, I, Oh, I love Kolsch. Or they have a different one. I was actually it, have was a fruit. The one time I made it there, they only had Bell's beers on tap. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> so, uh, so while the, while I was okay drinking too hard at it outside, that was fine. But okay, I, yeah. So I need to go back if they're still. I imagine they'll still be open a little bit. Yeah, more. they're 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 at least open through this week. Their their Oktoberfest party is on Friday. Okay. This, um, this weekend's gonna be awesome weather. This this Friday. Yeah, this, yeah, this Friday. Mm. Mm. Okay. But uh, the Kolsch that I had there, um, like you try an American Kolsch and you read like guidelines for Kolsch and it says that acceptable esters, you know, can be sort of mildly like fruity or pear, like apple or anything, you know, these sort of things. And and it's like, you know, it's the essence of this beer. But I had that Kolsch and didn't have any of that. It was just clean and crisp and not as bitter as like a German Pilsner but really, really drinkable and, and not as like sazzy as like a Czech lager or something like that. Uh, Czech okay. pills. But uh, I, I leave the one that I hear people post all the time about being like the best Kolsch. And I've seen it at Megabev once or twice. It just wasn't fresh the last time I saw it. So I didn't bother getting it. But um, through in the private chat there, that's the one I see people talk about a lot. But whether that's one they had there or not, I don't know. F R U with an umlau H. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to try that. And and I know that there's a wide range of, you know, interpretations of the style even within, uh, you know, colon or clone or whatever. So, uh, but I I think that Americans are very much focused on like making something slightly differentiating about their beer instead of like brewing something that's just really fucking good. And, and I, and I don't blame them because you got to sell your beer. Right. And you got to like, Brian, we had a conversation about this with some marketing, right? What what was um, our conversation? Um, with Oktoberfests or, or fest beers and like Mm -hmm. how there's, there's a really distinct flavor profile from what you get from the European styles to the American styles. And it it lends me to believe like, because I haven't found like a single beer over here on, on the state sides that, that mimics something that comes from like one of these guys. Um, like they're both good, but there is there's some very distinct flavor di- or you know flavor profile differences, and it kind of lends me to believe like, is it, you know, does it have to do with the malting process and the malt? Like, do we do we really need ask, to yeah. utilize that malting style? Or one of the points that you and I brought up while we were talking was, 
you know, on a, you know, larger scale, is it really our American breweries set up to decoct, you know, and is that, is that the thing, but there's, you know, there's all these different things that go into it. And I'm sure it's the same with like a Kolsch style where, you know, there's probably a myriad of different factors that go into maybe, maybe it's just not, 100 i mean i'm sure it's possible if somebody puts in you know the right elbow grease and effort but maybe it's just you know the way our economy is set up or our logistics are set up it just doesn't lend to cloning that style from europe Ooh. at least on a macro scale yeah like i'll, I'll uh, browse reddit occasionally and and i think even just today i saw somebody post on uh, the brewery subreddit which is for professional brewers somebody from somewhere in europe <clears throat> They were like, I'm, I'm going to brew like a, my first American IPA. Like, how? Any any tips? Like, what do I do? Like, how do I brew an American, <laughs> right? You know, and like nobody around there is going to know what like an American IPA tastes like. And like, I don't think maybe necessarily we know what like a, you know, a Kolsch it, it maybe truly is, you know, drinking drink right off the, the tap over there. One, one thing I will say when I was over in the Netherlands, um, uh, I'd have to look up the brewery, but they had a New England style on tap, and it was fantastic. Awesome! <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things. And this this was like this was before Charlie was born, so this had to have been three, four years ago at this point. Um, you know, when New England was really first coming out, and I'm like, you know, halfway across the world, and sure, in this little brewery, and they've got that's cool. Got a New England on. I was like, that's what I saw. I'm like, I gotta have it. I gotta know how how is it made it all the way over here. But yeah, how's uh how's Heineken? How's fresh Heineken? Well, yeah, way better than over here, in my opinion. Yeah, none, none of the skunkiness. Mm-mm. Okay, didn't didn't get any of it. Yeah, keep putting green bottles. That's a good move. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That's what I was like. Why? Why is it? I think that's what different. like what know. what Americans expect now, like out of, out of that beer, and and some people like it. I I think I've I've brought this up before. I I read a story uh, some odd years ago about a brewery over on the east side of the uh, country that was brewing beer that had like a pretty moderate like diacetyl issue. And they eventually diagnosed it and fixed it. And the people that were coming to their brewery were complaining about their beer afterwards because it didn't have the diacetyl anymore. And that's what they expected in it. And so they went back to brewing their beer in their old way with the diacetyl issues in order to like keep up with like the demand of, of the, of the customers, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's like a small little, you know, local town brewery or whatever, but like, that's what the people there were used to. And so they like it, they like it. Yeah. Maybe maybe we're used to, uh, you know, panicking with, with. That's that's kind of the opposite of like, um, you guys are talking about how, in the economy in our country. Like, I really think the reason that you don't get a good Kolsch is because they're, they're brewing blondes. You sure. know what I mean? Sure. They're yeah. just, they're just yeah. like, they're going to make a simple beer and they're like, okay, well, what's our house yeast? All right, we'll use that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead totally. of like, if you're, if you're, even if you're a seven barrel brewery, how much is a, a commercial pitch of Kolsch going to cost you? You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a reason Bells doesn't have, you know, they don't put out a Kolsch or a check exactly. or something, right? You know, yep. they have their house ale yeast, they have their house lager yeast, and occasionally yep. they do something with like a Belgian strain, <laughs> you know. Yep. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. And and that and that really holds them back. But then they'll like, oh, I want to make a Kolsch. And it's like, I know, uh, I'll, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not going to like talk dirty, but there's a local brewery that has made an Oktoberfest in the past. And you ask them, well, what would you use? And they're like, oh, 05. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> sure, yeah. So this is a nice amber. Yeah, 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 basically. It's fine, but it's just like, all right. And I think we're spoiled because since we brew on such a small scale, we can take way more chances too. Oh, yeah, Oh, for sure. Costs us $5 for a thing of yeast. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. We're bitching about it. And we don't have to make money. I don't have an employee that I have to pay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just have a, a spouse or a partner to please. That's all you got with your beer. That's why yep. I make the red IPA occasionally. Yep. <laughs> you gotta do that. Hello, <laughs> peas. Well, I think we crushed cold IPA tonight. Yeah. I, I think I know we were a little bit all over the board, but I don't know. Per, I think we usual. covered we covered we covered all the basics in uh, in one way or another at some point in time during the episode. So we'll just yeah. recap it. Pilsner meat, Pilsner malt, rice. Sea hops. Yummy hops. <laughs> Boom. Maybe a decoction. 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 Maybe San, decoction. Sans, sans caramel? Did we, did we agree no on that? Caramel. Yeah. No caramel. Yeah. No caramel. Warm ferment. Clean yeast. Uh, cool. If you're using a cold yeast, maybe like... Cool or, ferment. Cool, cool, cool ale ferment. Cool. Cool. Not okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. There's a, it's a very fine bracket. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, whatever, yeah. Whatever, whatever. A, well, so here's the thing. Uh, why not ferment a cold IPA at like mid-50s? Why? Why? Probably because then it would be an IPL. <laughs> Does the temperature make the yeast no longer lager yeast? No. I know why I don't anymore. Since I I ferment under pressure now. Okay. The, That's the, the first two lagers I made, and actually the 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 rice the the rye uh, cold IPA I brought out to Homebrew Fest was a butter bomb mm. because I fermented at fifty three. And I did my normal step up, but for whatever reason, being under pressure, the yeast didn't clean stuff up. And I was lucky that after I kegged it and brought it upstairs for three weeks, it was fine. You know. Okay. Yeah. So there's a reason. There's a reason to do it at 60, 60 to sixty-five diacetyl. Okay. Drive that off. Fair enough. Mid fifties theoretical IBUs, big dry hop. Maybe a little bit of whirlpool. Yeah. Not so find, much bittering. Not so much bittering. No. Find the way, find a recipe, brew that for your first one, maybe. Although they are at 70 IBUs, so that just throws my argument okay. out the fucking okay. window. Well, brew yourself. I don't think seventy, do it. I, I think that 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 they maybe take their big recipe and scale it down to a homebrew scale. And sometimes like the the scaling doesn't work quite as well. Uh so just like going from you know a homebrew scale up to like a seven barrel doesn't always work. Well look at the look at the bells kits we've done where you expect you plug in it in a beer smith and it's like oh your hop slam clone is 37 IBU. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. It's great. And you're like, oh okay. You know? Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Well, 
thank you guys for joining us thank uh, you. tonight. Yeah, uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Uh, we're going to have, hopefully, uh, within the next couple of weeks here, uh, an episode on uh, the BJCP entrance exam. Uh, so, Brandon and Tim, you guys are more than invited back to join us for that. How many you guys want? And I've taken it once. I'll plan on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to have the uh, the Master Homebrewers program uh, board staff on, at least a few of them. I'm excited about that. Uh, it was our cold IPA episode. Uh, we're going to have, in November, our uh, yearly seltzer episode. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> our, our friends Friendsgiving episode or whatever. So uh, yeah, Maybe I should brew a seltzer as yeah, well. Yeah, we, we might have to brew a seltzer uh, for that. To get, to get it all, all prepped and whatever. You need to take, take, take something from KBG and uh, make a mega seltzer, man. <laughs> yeah. Mega seltzer. <laughs> That's, it's just water wine. That's what that is. <laughs> water wine. Sugar wine. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, some sugar uh, wine. It was... It was <laughs> It was an experience. <laughs> but uh, yeah, all right. Uh, everybody, thank you for uh, listening in tonight. Uh, and if you're listening to the podcast later, thank you for uh, downloading our episode. And like uh, our, our YouTube channel, if you haven't, or our post, or follow us on Facebook, or do whatever the fuck all the normal smash that like button yeah yeah that, that shit is. <laughs> leave us a review on <laughs> podcast place oh there goes brandon all right <laughs> that's all right so all right everybody cheers thank you so much again tim thank you for being here tonight hey, no problem we'll see you again on the future episode cheers, cheers. cheers.